Hurning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before her shear, before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I ask, or I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began uh, with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. As he passed through, he preached the gospel, to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let us pray. Our Father, we again come to you in prayer asking for your help. Uh, What is remarkable to us is that you never weary or grow weary of of our asking, but rather you are glorified when we depend upon you. And so we ask now that you would be our teacher. Open our eyes, our ears, and our heart to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we are continuing through the book of Acts, uh, we have now come to um, Philip and this, what I am calling in the title, this elect Ethiopian. The first question that I have when I come to this text, or to this passage, is why did God send Philip specifically to this Ethiopian? Why him? Does this strike you as odd? That God singles out this lone person and tells Philip to get up and hurry down to meet this man who is on his way to Gaza. Remember that Philip was in Samaria. Samaria was north of Jerusalem. And so if this is Samaria, this is Jerusalem. And now I'm going to get myself turned around here. To the south uh, west of Jerusalem. Would that be this way or this way? This way. So to the southwest. Um, is Gaza. It is all it is on the uh, southern uh, most tip of Judea, and so this is quite a trip then for for uh, Philip to make. So why would God say to Philip, "Get up and go down to this road that leads toward Gaza, so that you can meet this one man"? The length of this trip actually underscores the question. Why is God so concerned about this Ethiopian? 
Let's look at the text and see if we can find any clues. First of all, let's look at his job description. You can see in verses 26 and 27 uh, who this person was. First of all, he was a eunuch. If you don't know what a eunuch is... You can ask your parents, or you can ask one of the elders. I'm not going to try and explain it right now. Um, but he was a eunuch. He was also a court official serving uh, Candace, who was queen of the Ethiopians. Specifically, he was her treasurer. Now, the fact that he was um, a court official, the fact that he was a treasurer, the fact that he served Candace, the queen of, of Ethiopia, uh, really does not tell us anything about why he is singled out by God. If the importance of his job description was a reason for why God is singling him out, we could ask the question, well, why not send Philip down to actually visit someone even more important than him? Why doesn't God send Philip down to actually visit uh, Candace, the queen of Ethiopia? Or why doesn't he send him to other, some, uh, some other um, great official of the then known world? And so his job description really doesn't, doesn't inform us why God is so concerned about this one man in particular. So let's look a little closer at this Ethiopian. What was he doing in Judea? Verse 27 says that he had come to Jerusalem. Uh, why had he come to Jerusalem? Well, it's, it says there at the end of verse 27 that he had come to Jerusalem to worship. But now he's returning back to Ethiopia. Is this why God is sending Philip down uh, to meet this man? Is God rewarding this man's good intentions of, of coming to worship him? Is this a case of God helping those who help themselves? I would actually argue that this line of, inquir- of inquiry does not help us know uh, why God had taken a special interest in this Ethiopian eunuch. Because many people from around the world, from the then known world, had come to worship at Jerusalem. Many Jews from all over Judea had come to Jerusalem to worship. But we don't find God singling people out uh, for going on their on this religious pilgrimage. In fact, as you read Jesus in the Gospels, Jesus said that most of the worship that was taking place in Jerusalem uh, at the temple was actually more in line with hypocrisy than true worship. And so the fact that this man went down or came up to Jerusalem to worship, I don't believe really helps us answer this question. So I continue to raise the question, why him? Doesn't it seem kind of random that God would single this one person out and tell Philip, go down there and meet this person as he is traveling on his way back to Ethiopia? There's only one reason that I think Scripture would point to as to why God singled this man out. And it had nothing to do with this Ethiopian's employment or his worldly status or his religious devotion. 
God singled this man out simply because from before the creation of the world, God had elected this Ethiopian um, to receive salvation through Jesus Christ. God placed his love on this Ethiopian, on this man. He placed his love on him from eternity past. And now he is sending Philip down there to preach Christ to him that he might really, truly learn about the love of God. Election is a biblical doctrine. It is an inescapable doctrine if you believe the Scriptures. But it is amazing to me how hard people try to escape it. We read from our responsive reading, Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. In that passage of Scripture, we heard about God choosing. We heard about God predestinating. We heard about God being in control of everything. Listen to verses 4 through 6 of Ephesians chapter 1. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us to be adopted to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and His will. Why did He do it? Verse 6 tells us to the praise of His glorious grace which He has freely given us in the one He loves. Verses 11 and 12 says, In Him we were also chosen, having been predestinated according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will in order that we who are the first to hope in Christ again might be for the praise of His glory. Or listen to some other passages of Scripture. Romans 9, verses 15 and 16. God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. And the Apostle Paul in Romans 9 says, It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. And our Lord Jesus in John chapter 6 verse 44 said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise them up at the last day. And I could go on and on and on and on. Bringing passage after passage after passage that supports this doctrine of predestination or election. The point I am driving at is this, as we are looking at this Ethiopian, as I am asking this question, why him? Is that there was nothing inherent uh, in the character or actions of this Ethiopian that caused God to draw this Ethiopian to himself. It was simply God's sovereign mercy alone. Now this leads me to another question. This is a question that I am directing to you, that I want to ask you of yourselves. What caused you, or rather, what caused God to draw you to Himself? What caused God to make you a Christian? There are literally billions of people living in this world right now who will die 
without knowing Jesus Christ, who will die one day without a relationship with God. Why were you included in this relatively small remnant of people who were saved from their sins? I believe if you're honest with yourself, you know that there's nothing in you that would cause God to love you or that would warrant His special attention. It is His grace, it is His sovereign mercy alone that caused Him to save any of us. And this truth is very accurately reflected in my favorite hymn, How Sweet and Awesome is the Place. Verse 2 asks, Why was I made to hear your voice and enter while there's room when thousands make a wretched choice and rather starve than come? Why you? Simply God's mercy alone. The next point in the outline asks why Jesus. The reason I ask this is because it is clear that this Ethiopian was not saved prior to Philip running alongside his chariot and flagging him down, telling him to pull over alongside the road. Um, Otherwise, why would God have sent Philip down there? Why would God have sent Philip all the way down there to preach uh, the gospel to this to this Ethiopian eunuch? It's clear he was not saved, even though he's worshiping in Jerusalem. Uh, he's not uh, a true worshiper of God, and we know this because he doesn't know Jesus. And there is no other name given under heaven by which a man must be saved. There is no other Savior other than Jesus Christ. There are people worshiping different gods all over the world. Today and throughout this week they worship different gods year after year after year. Some are worshiping as Hindus. Some are worshiping as Buddhists. Some are worshiping as Muslims. Some are worshiping as Jews. Others are worshiping just various gods. But none are saved apart from turning away from their false worship and turning uh, to Jesus Christ and trusting Him alone as their Savior. Our culture is urging pluralism upon us. Our culture says that there are many paths to God. Well, you're going to have to take a stand this morning. Is culture right or is Scripture right? Listen to Acts chapter 4 verse 12 because the the scriptures are clear. Salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Do you believe that? Do you know that Jesus Christ is the only Savior for mankind? Your argument is not with me this morning. It is with God because His Word is unequivocal on this point. So that raises the question, why is Jesus the only way to God? 
The reason He's the only way to God is that He is the Lamb of God, the only Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Every religion has a system for uh, atoning for sin. Uh, And the reason why they have a system for atoning for sin is because mankind's greatest problem, it is universally recognized, is that we all sin. We all fall short of the mark. We all act differently than our consciences would dictate. But every other religion takes care of this sin problem by having God, by having man cooperate with God, uh, so that man is actually helping God save us, uh, helping God take away our sin. So God does something, we do something, we cooperate. But you know what that ends up doing? That ends up bringing man down, I'm sorry, God down, and, and raises man up so that God and man meet somewhere in the middle. And that ends up making God less than who he is, and it makes man greater than who we are. But Christianity is different than all of other religions. God sent his son to die for sinners. Look at verse 32. Now, the passage of the scripture that the Ethiopian was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. Jesus Christ is the sheep here, the lamb who was being led to the slaughter. But he's not only simply the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity. In other words, Jesus Christ is co-equal with the Father. He is God. But Jesus left his place in glory. He came down here to earth to sacrifice himself in the place of sinful human beings. In order to die for humans, he had to become human. This is what Christmas is all about. It's not about gifts. It's not about family. It's not about shopping. It's not about vacation from school. Christmas is about Christ. It is only about Jesus Christ, about Him becoming human in order that He might be the perfect sacrifice for human beings. He stood in the place for sinful human beings on the cross and He died for their sins. Christmas points to Easter. For us to get distracted from that glorious, all-important point by gifts, by vacation, by shopping, even by family is to dishonor Jesus Christ. Christianity is different than every other religion because there is nothing that we can do to help God save us. Christianity teaches that God remains holy. He did not have to lower himself or he did not have to become less than who he is in order to save us. And we did not climb up some ladder of virtue. We did not have to raise ourselves up in some order of character to meet God in the middle. Because that's impossible. We just, it's impossible for us to do it. We could never do it. 
We could never reach a level of goodness that would allow us to have fellowship with a holy God. But Jesus came to bring us to God by His death and by His resurrection. We are sinful. God is holy. Jesus came to bridge the gap between us and God, to bring us to God. He saves us. We bring nothing to the table. 1 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin, or who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. Jesus is the only way to God. Verse 34 and 35 are very clear. Look at, look at verses 34 and 35. Look at the content of, G, uh, of, of Philip's preaching or his teaching. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. That is that was Philip's single focus, telling him about Jesus. Why is it his single focus? Because Jesus is the only way to God. In the interest of time, I'm going to pass over um, the uh, third and fourth points. Uh, I think it really does take away from what I'm trying to say here. And I'm going to move on to point five. And that is what happened to Philip. I think I've, I've got to address this question. Because it's, 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 a, it's, it's a singular moment in Scripture. We don't see this happening uh, ever again in Scripture. We certainly don't have it happening in our day and age. I was surprised a couple of weeks ago when I talked about uh, the miracles and how mir- how God is not cleaning out hospitals like He did um, back in the early church. I was surprised someone didn't challenge me about that. But here's another instance where we see something that is unique to the period of the early church. And that is verse 39 and 40. And when they came up out of the water, this is after Philip had baptized the eunuch, um, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And then he began going along and preaching the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. What's happening here? He finishes preaching the gospel to him, and then the Spirit of the Lord carries him away, carries him somewhere else to go and preach the gospel. This is not happening today. Otherwise, we wouldn't need airlines and cars and everything else, I guess. Um, But this is something that is unique. But what is not unique is God's love for sinners. He sent Philip down there to preach. The only reason he whisked Philip away was not simply to save him a trip back, but because 
in this town of Azostus and in these towns around Caesarea, there were other people that God was interested in bringing to Jesus Christ. And so he whisked Philip away to simply continue to do evangelism. Even though God is not whisking us away here and there, He is still interested in His people telling that glorious story of Jesus Christ and of His salvation for sinners. Do you know Him this morning? Is He your Savior? Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that we have received a salvation that we did not deserve, that we could never have earned, that we could never have helped purchase. We thank you for your sovereign, predestinating, electing love that while we were still sinners Christ died for us while we were enemies of God you loved us and drew us to yourself Father I do pray that first of all you would help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus during this Christmas season with all the distractions that are about us secondly Father I pray that you would develop in our hearts a love for the lost like you have You did not bat an eye at sending Philip uh, those many miles down to that Gaza road, out in that dry, arid, desert place, to simply preach the gospel to one man. Father, I pray that you would help us to have that same love for sinners that you have. And help us to be willing to say, here I am, send me. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.